discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. your hands high and say thank you Jesus with the other hand also and say thank you Jesus and with both hands just wave to God and just bless him praise his holy name just just praise his holy name praise his holy name thank you Jesus Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. Oh, we give you glory and honor. None like unto today. Thank you for being at your feet and feeding us by your Holy Spirit. The Spirit of truth who brings to us the truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we open our mouth wide. We receive from you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the fountains of life. In the light, we see light. Thank you for the rivers of your pleasure, brooks of honey, brooks of butter. Thank you for your inexhaustible resources and wealth and all that you have in your kingdom for us. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's that Holy Spirit. We are ready to receive from you. Thank you that you're having a preeminence in this place. And your life, your energy, your power hovers all around this place. And we are transformed from glory to glory. We are never the same. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you please be seated? Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. We are glad to come here to worship with you and to fellowship with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Another year has come and we are grateful to God. And uh, it's great to see all your faces. I'm trying to see all your faces. Hallelujah. Can you give your neighbor a smile, a warm smile? It's a wonderful fellowship. It's a great fellowship. 
and ask your neighbor, are you ready to receive from God? We thank God for uh, Bishop's life. Yes. And, uh, yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. We thank God. Uh, we thank God that He has given us a bishop. Uh-huh. Who is very humble, who is God loving, who is caring, and who is a good shepherd. And who cares for you. Hallelujah. And uh, to follow Bishop is wonderful because he's following Christ. So you are following a great leader. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So Bishop, we thank God for your life, as well as your wife, your, your love and simplicity and humility. And we thank God for your life. Hallelujah. And thank you for bringing us here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Pastor Mark, thank you. Thank you so much. For the great work you are doing here, we appreciate you. Let's turn to the book of Daniel, chapter 9. Daniel, chapter 9, verse 24. Say, I'm ready for God's word. Daniel 9, verse 24. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks the streets shall be built again and the wall, even in troublous times. And after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. But the people of the prince shall come. The people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, the solutions are determined. Hallelujah. Praise God. Back to verse 24. Are you ready? All right. Now, what I read to you is prophecy. It's prophecy. Prophecy. And it's important we know it. Hallelujah. How many of you have heard of Daniel's 70 weeks of prophecy? So to some of you, it may be very, very strange, but it's not difficult at all. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's written in the Bible for you. So, tell your neighbor you can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. It's not difficult at all. If you only keep, if you're attentive, you can understand it. Yeah. I learned about Daniel 70 weeks 23 years ago. Yes. You know why I said it? Ah, that, that's the reason the guy said, yeah, we can handle it. 
Yeah, so you can handle it. It's not difficult. Sometimes you approach a verse and your mind goes like, oh, this thing's... Oh. I'm waiting when I'm 70 years. <laughs> All right. Okay. But I'm speaking on everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness. When the Bible was written, it was fully completed. Now, when it was written, 25% of the, the Bible is prophecy. Prophecy, as, it, as, it, as to say, it, it predicts the future, what, what is to come in the future. So one-fourth of the Bible is prophecy. So prophecy is an integral part of Scripture. So it, it's good for us to know what God has said concerning what is to come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because that is one-fourth of the Bible, 25%. And amazingly, 50% of this... <laughs> 25%. 50% of the prophecies of the Bible have already been fulfilled. Yeah. So in the 25%, half have already been fulfilled. Exactly as the, the Bible predicted and prophesied. So that means that the Bible is true and it's sure. So if half have already been fulfilled, then the next half will certainly and surely be fulfilled. So I said one-fourth of the Bible is prophecy. 25% of the Bible is prophecy. And uh, half of the 25% have already been fulfilled. So that means that whatever God has said concerning your life, God is able to bring it to pass. Yeah, and whatever you read in Scripture that God says he will do, he will certainly do it. The, the prophecies in Daniel were so fulfilled exactly, so much that um, scholars have wondered if it was written, they were written before they were fulfilled. Because to them, they were so exact. <laughs> yeah, because it's the book of God. It's the book of God. And um, to understand prophecy, there is a system of inter interpretation of the Bible that I want to show you. It is called the law of double reference. See the law of double reference. Other than that, you, you, you wouldn't understand how prophecies are put together. The law of double reference. One scripture, but referring to two different periods of time. Yet it's one prophecy. Yet the fulfillment is not just one. It's fulfilled at least twice in different time intervals. It's very necessary for what I'm going to share. Example, let's go to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Now, this is the prophecy of Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding upon an ass, and upon the colt, the foal of an ass. Verse 10. And I'll cut off the chariots from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off, and he shall speak peace unto the hidden, and his dominion shall be from sea, even to sea, and from river, and to the ends of the earth. So, Zechariah 9 and 10. Verse 9 is talking about the first coming of Christ, and verse 10 is talking about the second coming of Christ. 
Verse 9 is talking about the first coming of Christ, but verse 10 is describing the second coming of Christ. Can you imagine? So when you read, you wonder, because go to verse 9. Verse 9 was fulfilled when Jesus entered Jerusalem sitting on a donkey. It was fulfilled. Praise God. In fact, the Gospels actually quoted this verse and said it had been fulfilled. But the next verse, remember the Bible was not originally divided in verses. The next one, which is together, is about his second coming. Because the Old Testament prophet, they didn't see the differences between the first and the second. So they put it together. Because Christ came first, then he will come again. But what he will come to do the first and the second, it was put together. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now this is about the first coming of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Yeah. As a child he was born, as a son he was given. That's when our Lord Jesus came first. But see the, see the next verse. Of the increase of his government and peace shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, that's the millennium. Upon the throne of David, that's the second coming. The throne of David... And upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is second coming. Praise God. Yeah. So one verse, two verses, just first and second. Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah 11. There shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding and of counsel and of might and of knowledge and of the, of the fear of the Lord. That's when Jesus came upon the earth, his first coming. Let's go on. And shall make him of quick understanding in the fear of God. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. The first coming. Uh-huh. But this is just his second coming. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. This is the second coming of Christ. So when you read the Bible, the prophets saw his coming, but they put it together. So sometimes they put together both his first and his second. Please are you following me? All right. Let me give the last reference in Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the, of the prison to them that are bound. Continue. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance. Now look at this one. To proclaim the acceptable, acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all that mourn. So in this one verse, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord is his first coming. And the day of vengeance of our God is his second coming. Praise God. It was fulfilled when Jesus, Luke chapter 4 verse 18. Jesus quoted everything that I just read to you. Verse 19. 
to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Isaiah says, and the day of vengeance of our God. It continues. But look at what Jesus did. The next verse. He closed the book. You know why he closed the book? Because that's for the first fulfillment, the first coming. <laughs> and when he closed the book, the next verse, what, what did he say? 21. And he began to say unto them, this day is scripture fulfilled in your, in, in your years. So the acceptable year of the Lord was fulfilled at that time. But the vengeance is when he comes again to bring judgment on the earth. Praise God. Alright, back to Daniel chapter 9 verse 24. Alright. It says that 70 weeks are determined upon your people and upon your holy city. Why 70 weeks? 70 weeks are determined. That's God's plan. Now, Daniel says that from the time that he's prophesying, he's saying that from the era of the king, King Darius, the Persian Empire, from his time, so when Christ come back, comes back, it's 70 weeks. Are you really following? From the time of the prophecy, not far from the prophecy, because Daniel, at this speaking, was in a, first he was in Babylon, uh-huh, before another kingdom took over Babylon, called the, the Persians, the Medes and the Persians. So one of the kings called Artaxerxes, during his time, the prophecy begins from his time, until Christ comes the first time, until Christ will come the second time. And he says that duration is 70 weeks. And you are now getting me. 70 weeks. Can you imagine? But there are 70 prophetic weeks. Praise God. 70 weeks. Now, he does some divisions. All right. To make simplified, let me use some people as illustration. Verse 25. Look at verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto Messiah the prince shall be seven weeks and sixty-two weeks and the street shall be built again and and the wall, even in troublous times. 26. That I would like you to give me a simpler version so they can understand. And after three score and two weeks, 62 weeks, shall Messiah be cut off. So give me a simpler, a simpler version. Let me, let me explain. Okay. Man of God, please come. Let, let me illustrate something. One person should, should come first. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Man of God, can also come, you can also come and stand here. So, the calculation of the 70 weeks is from verse 24. Verse 24. Verse 25. All right. Have the certain knowledge that from the going out of the word for the building again of Jerusalem, 
Now, this happened during King Artaxerxes. He gave the word that they should go back to Jerusalem. You know, they were in exile for 70, 70 years. The, the Israelites were in captivity in Babylon for 70 years. So, they had to be released to go back to Israel to rebuild the city again. Because Nebuchadnezzar bent down the city. And the temple was bent down. So they had to just be released to go back to rebuild the city again. Hallelujah. So from that time, the king made a proclamation that the Jews can go back. That's when the 70 weeks began. Praise God. So from the time, now follow me carefully. From the time the king makes a decree that they should go to Jerusalem to build the city. From that time till when the city will be built again and the walls and everything is seven weeks. So this is can I attack this? Is. This is Jerusalem. So you're a city. <laughs> so from that time this king gave the commandment till the time the city is built is how many weeks? Seven weeks. Okay, can I get another person? Oh pastor, you sit down. Okay. All right. All right. So which one is this? Yes. Hey, I like the way you mentioned the name. But I really call this. And this one is the mother of us all. Okay. So seven weeks. Now, this one is verse 26. And at the end of the times, even after 62 weeks, the one on whom the holy oil has been put will be cut off. All right. So King James says the Messiah shall be cut off after 62 weeks. So from the time Jerusalem is built to the time Jesus dies, it's 62 weeks. 62 weeks. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Then it's left with one week. Check, check it. Yeah. You, you understand? This is seven. So seven plus 62, 62 is what? 69. It's left with one week. Can someone come for the one week? Okay. No. no after seven, seven weeks is close, so you'll be here. <laughs> yeah. So this is one week. All right. So now, this is who? How many weeks? weeks. And this is who? How many weeks to when Christ dies? After that, how many weeks weeks are left? You understand prophecy? I said you can understand it. (laughs) All right. But these things came to pass literally. Now let me show you. Um, These weeks are not weeks of days. How many days make one week? But prophetically speaking, when we say one week, it's not in days. It's years. It's week of years. So in prophecy, one week is seven years. (laughs) Genesis 29, verse 27. King James Version. King James. Genesis 29, verse 27. Remember when Laban... Laban, Jacob had to serve Laban to get his wife. This is what Laban told him. Fulfill her week. Now let's start from 26. 
And Laban said, it must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. He, he deceived him and gave the younger for the firstborn. Uh-huh. And what did he say? The next verse. What was Jacob's, uh, Laban's answer? Fulfill her week. And we will give thee this also for the service which thou hast served me yet seven other years. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So one week is seven years. Praise God. Hallelujah. Yeah. One week is seven years. Fulfill her week. And it was seven years. So remember that um, Jacob had to serve another seven years, right? Yeah. For who? Rahel. Because Leah was giving him. And he didn't want Leah. It's Rahel he loved. So he had to fulfill her week and serve for another seven years before the love is deep. <laughs> so a week in prophecy is seven years, not seven days. It's weeks of years, not weeks of days. You understand? Alright. So, from Kenatagzazes to the building of Jerusalem is how many weeks? So how many years? Yeah. There are some versions that will tell you 49 years. Some versions will tell you 49 years. Some ve- Daniel 9.25. Some versions doesn't even say 7 weeks. Some versions put it 49 years. Okay, so this is 49, right? Then from Jerusalem to the building, to the, uh, when Christ will be, Messiah will be cut off, Christ, is how many weeks? So that's how many years? How many years? 434. Okay. 434 years. So from here to here is how many years? From Kenataxes to when Messiah is cut off is how many years? For what? That's correct. So it's left with, with the last one week, which is seven years. Now, if you check secular history, from the time Artaxerxes issued the, the decree, the edict, for them to go to Jerusalem to rebuild the city, his name is, uh, his name is actually Artaxerxes Longimanus. Longimanus. And he passed the decree on the 14th of March, 444 BC. Yeah. That's exactly. Uh-huh. And exactly 49 years before Jerusalem was completed, the whole city was built. Everything was built. Yes. And from the time the city was built to the 62 weeks, is that so? Exactly, that is 400 and... Yeah. You know the day it fell? It fell on exactly the day Jesus sat on a donkey to enter into Jerusalem. That was his last entry to die. (laughs) That's when he entered Jerusalem to die. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) So now, this is it. So he entered Jerusalem and that is when he, he, he was arrested and he had to die. All right. So everything here was fulfilled chronologically. 69 weeks was fulfilled chronologically according to the weeks of years. Perfectly to this one. 
Hmm. But I'll speak about the mystery one week. <laughs> the mystery one week. Hallelujah. So everything is fulfilled as the Bible has said. And the Bible says that Twenty-six. Twenty-six. And after sixty-two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Wrongly translated, the, the Hebrew, the original says that Messiah shall be cut off, but not until he offers himself. Nobody could have killed Jesus, actually. No one could have killed him until he gave himself to die. I'll explain to you. So at this time, the Bible says, Messiah shall be cut off. He shall be rejected and he will die. He will be cut off, but not until he offers himself unto death. His last entry into Jerusalem on the donkey. You know what it meant? It marked his last rejection by Israel. The common people didn't reject him, but the national leaders rejected Jesus. And when, on that day, it was very solemn. You know why Jesus sat on the donkey? He wanted to let them know that in prophecy, he was the one who was prophesied upon. Because the career had said what the king will come and do. He would sit upon a donkey and a fall of an ass. And it was just fulfilled. But when he got there, they rejected him. Hmm. The Pharisees even said, oh, can't you silence your people? They are making noise when they took palm branches. Jesus silenced them. And Jesus said, if they shut up, the stones will immediately, immediately cry out. Now Jesus said, a lot of things happened on that day, prophetically. If you have known in this your day, in this day, the things which belong to your peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. Because that newest not the day of their visitation. And in, according to date, that was the same day Joshua, they crossed Jordan. And Joshua took stones from Jordan, out of Jordan. He took stones into Jordan and took 12 stones out of Jordan. If you check the Bible, this started the same day Jesus sat on the donkey and entered Jerusalem. Praise God and said the stones will immediately cry out. And Messiah will be cut off. Messiah was rejected. Now you understand why he was rejected? He was rejected. This was his final rejection. They had rejected him severely. In Matthew 12, Jesus himself lamented, he said, a greater than Solomon is here because they rejected him as king. And he said, a greater than Jonah is here. They rejected him as prophet. He said, a greater than the temple is here. They rejected him as priest. Now, when he, the day he entered, when he entered Jerusalem on a donkey, Matthew 21, that is when they rejected him over and over. That is when he said, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and be given to a nation bringing forth the fruit thereof. That's a church. It was taken from Israel and given to the church. And Jesus entered the temple. Jesus, that is when Jesus wept over the city. He wept and said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that killest the prophet and stonest those who are sent unto you. How often would I have gathered together as a hen gathered her chicks under her? But you will not. 
Jesus said, Behold, your, your house is left unto you desolate. And you shall not see me again until you, you will say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. That's his second coming. He said, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. And he departed out of the temple. To fulfill Hosea chapter 5 from verse 15. I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. In the affliction, they shall seek me early. The next verse. Now, that's good. Chapter 6. Come, let us return unto the Lord. He has torn and he will heal us. He has smitten and he will bind us up. After two days, that's 2,000 years. That's prophetic two days is 2,000 years. Because a day with the Lord is 1,000 years and 1,000 years is one day. After two days, he shall revive us. That's after 2,000 years. And in the third day, he will raise us up. That's the millennium. Jesus said, the prophecy says he will go. Now, it is when Jesus left the temple, they had forsaken him. Your house is left until desolate. That's when this verse was fulfilled. Hosea 5 verse 15. They had rejected him. He left the temple. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can find this in the last verse, the last three verses of Matthew 23. He said, your house is left until desolate. They rejected him entirely. You know, it's very, very crucial. That is why, now this is the 70th week, is that not so? Do you know that all of this has been fulfilled except the one week? Do you know when the one week will be fulfilled? When Jesus comes. That is before the millennium at the second coming of Christ. Why has all of these dates been fulfilled perfectly? But when it came here, the last one week was postponed. You know why? Because Israel rejected the Messiah. When Israel rejected the Messiah, they rejected the king. That is why God's plan for Israel was now postponed. So this, the last week was cut off. And the Gentiles came in. The church, we came in. We came in. So, Jesus, you know what he said? The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruit thereof. So the kingdom was taken from from them because they rejected him and it has come to the church so the period between the 69th week and the 70th week is 2,000 years that's what we are enjoying now yeah the church is not yet 2,000 the church will be 2,000 in 2030s we're not yet 2,000 years uh-huh. Jesus <laughs> AD is not after the death it's in the year of our Lord so Jesus died around AD 32 32 AD it's around that time that the church, so around 2032, around that time that the church is going to be 2,000 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, we have had the kingdom for almost 2,000 years. Praise God. Why? When Israel rejected the king, the kingdom left them. The kingdom, do you know that the millennium we are going to enjoy, Israel would have enjoyed it long ago. And through Israel, God wanted through Israel to reach the rest of the nations. But because they rejected him. That's why we have all these weeks following, following chronologically, but the last one week cannot be found. Because they rejected him, the last seven days will be brutal for Israel. 
That is called the hour of Jacob's trouble. The great tribulation. And Christ will come at the end of that seven years. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Please, are you following? Yeah. yeah. So the Messiah was rejected. They, they cut him off, but not until he offered himself. You see, Jesus, no one could have killed Jesus until he died. He gives himself to death. There was a lot of time they even took stones. The Bible says, passing through the midst of them. Not passing around or ha- not running away. He, he passed through the midst. How can you have stones? In the history of Israel, they don't pick stones and put the stones down. <laughs> Once they pick the stones, ah. so now they held the stones and some power resist. They, they couldn't throw the stones. Because he had broken no law. He had never sinned, so death had no legal claim on him. And Jesus gave himself to death. You know, when Jesus stood before Pilate, understand this. Matthew 27. In the, in the law, the Roman, according to the Roman law, say, if a guilty person stands before the law, Pilate actually presided over the law, the court of justice. If he stands before the, uh, the, 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 the proconsul or um, the king or the one presiding over the court, they give the criminal three opportunities to make his self-defense. They ask you three questions. If you keep quiet and you don't answer back, you are charged automatically guilty for not answering. So you have passed up all the three chances. Yeah. So Pilate asked Jesus three questions and in all he kept quiet. The Bible says he marveled greatly. And the Bible King James says he answered him to never a word. And he marveled greatly. Ah, you, you, you don't even defend yourself. So he, you know, Jesus himself allowed himself to be charged guilty without any self-defense because he passed up all the three opportunities that was given a criminal. And he answered him to never a word. In so much that the governor marveled greatly. He was shocked. Nobody has done that before. <laughs> Everybody will put up a, a self-defense. <laughs> and as a result of that, so Jesus himself gave himself on the cross too he didn't die slowly when any man is dying they die slowly 30%, 40%, 50% death is coming home, death is coming home death is rising <laughs> almost there and the, the person is gone Jesus' death wasn't like that the Bible says he commanded father into your hands the Greek says I command my spirit the Bible also says he dismissed his spirit. Like a king would dismiss his subject after he has spoken. So he himself gave himself to death. Hallelujah. So he was cut off, but not until he offers himself. And it happened here. The 69th week. If they had received Jesus. Let's go to verse 24. 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thine holy city. To finish the transgression, number one. To make an end of sins, number two. To make reconciliation for iniquity, number three. To bring in everlasting righteousness, number four. All of this happened here. All the four happened here. 
I showed you the law of double reference. Is that not so? All the four happened at the 69th week. But the last two, to steal the vision and the prophecy, you know, all that the prophets have said from of old concerning Israel and concerning the Jews and what God is going to do, all of it is going to be sealed. That means completed and fulfilled. And to anoint the most holy. That means the temple will be built again and will be consecrated for divine service. We see the vision of Ezekiel's temple. The temple will be built and there will, there will be activities in the temple. Now, the last two is here. The 70th week. But the first four happened on the cross. At the 69th week. But now, because they rejected the Messiah, the last one week is now a mystery because the Gentiles have come in. And the last two is going to be fulfilled at the end of the 70 weeks when Christ comes again on earth to rule on earth. He will come with us. The rapture is not the second coming of Christ. The rapture, the church will be taken away. Then after the church will be taken away just before the seven, seven years begin. Then after that, we'll come with, down with Christ to rule on the earth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You'll be there and I'll be there. Hallelujah. Romans eleven twenty five. I will not, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery. It's a mystery. Lest you should be wise in your own conceit. That blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. So now, this, this era is the, gent- the era of the Gentiles. <laughs> because Israel is now blind. They couldn't re- receive the Messiah. So all that God has for them is postponed. <laughs> this is the time of the Gentiles. Until they come in, then Israel will be restored back when Jesus comes. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Now, there's something I want you to understand. The kingdom, Jesus brought the kingdom at this time to Israel and they rejected him. Matthew 21 verse 46. He brought the kingdom at this time. 44. 43. Therefore I say unto you. Now this is when he had come with the donkey, you know. The kingdom of God shall be taken from you. Israel, you know, and shall be given to a nation bringing forth the fruit thereof. That's a church. Yeah, a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. The church is, is this nation. So the kingdom was taken from them and given to the church. Now, it shows the kind of life we should be living. Now, when you read about the millennium, what God is going to do literally in the millennium the same things he has given to us to enjoy within a 2,000 period in the church. But we access them by faith. But they are going to have them literally. So I can show you one by one. Every promise concerning the millennium is also for us. Because the kingdom has been taken from them and it is given to us. But we now access them in the, in the realm of faith and of the spirit. To them it to be physical. But we have the same enjoyment. So it is here with us. <laughs> Uh-huh. 
So in Daniel 9.24, all the blessings, the first four blessings, is now with us. Because Israel rejected him. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Now, we are enjoying it as a church. Hallelujah. And all of this happened on the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. Okay. So do you understand the 70 weeks? Okay. So we can now begin our message. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Somebody preached for two hours and said, we just finished the introduction. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just imagine? Uh-huh. All right. So now you have, the, you have the foundation. Okay, now, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. I want us to take it one by one. First, to finish the transgression. To finish the transgression. You realize that you see three words about sin, three words that describe sin. You see transgression, you see sin, and you see iniquity. So there's transgression, then there's sins, then there's iniquity. Transgression, sin, and iniquity. Now all were handled on the cross of Christ. Exodus 34 verse 7, you see the same words repeated. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Iniquity and transgression and sin. They are here. All right, back to Daniel 9. To finish the transgression. Wow. Now, the word finish is the Hebrew word killer. K E L E H. Now, when it is in the Greek, is the, is, the, is the word tetelestai. Have you heard the word tetelestai before? Yes. Someone had, has even sung a song like that. Tetelestai. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the word finish is tetelestai in Greek. And kela, because the Old Testament is in Hebrew, is kela. Uh-huh. You understand the telestai when in those days when the high priest enters into the holies of holies once a year. And rabbinical writings t- t- tells us that they put a rope around his waist in case he doesn't survive. <laughs> because no one can go in there. So in case he doesn't survive, then they will pull him. <laughs> if you also go inside, you'll you make it. Uh-huh. So it depends on whether your high priest is good or bad or bad. The destiny of the nation depended on the, on the high priest. So when the high priest go, goes in and he's accepted, for the whole year, the whole nation is accepted in the acceptance of the high priest. When his atonement is accepted for the nation, then they can look forward to victory from their, over, over their enemies, family blessing, bumper harvest, all because the high priest had been accepted. And when he's rejected, everybody's rejected. So when he's going in, they are praying. They are all standing outside praying, praying. Because their destiny was bound up to that one man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The good news is that when Jesus, our high priest, stood before the Father, he was accepted. So we are all accepted in his acceptance. 
Look, you could do you could do all the good in Israel, but when your high priest is rejected, you are rejected. And you could do all the bad, but when your high priest is accepted, you are accepted. Because the acceptance was in the high priest, not in you. That's why you, as you are sitting now, look at how wicked you are, but now you are accepted as Christ. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Uh, what happened on the cross? You need to see it by faith. Because on the cross, Jesus finished the transgression. Can you imagine? On the cross, transgression was finished. <laughs> and sins were also ended. Oh, oh, how are you not reading it? The way you say, hey, as if I'm saying it. <laughs> okay, what is transgression? Now, transgression has to do with the law. Without a law, there is no transgression. Transgression came in human history when the law came. There was sin, but there was no transgression until the law came. Transgression is what in English we call we also call trespass or violation. Okay, the way you are looking at me, let's go to Romans four verse fifteen. <laughs> so you see for yourself, Romans four verse fifteen. Because the law worketh wrath. For where no law is, there is no transgression. For where no law is, let me give an example. Assuming we are driving on the motorway, Pastor Mark can use 160 kilometers per hour. Bishop can use 180 kilometers per hour. But now 120 kilometers per hour. <laughs> Pastor, Pastor Michael, 140 kilometers. You know? <laughs> Prophet Jima, this, this. 100 kilometers. Oh. 200. 200 kilometers. <laughs> this is because he just gave birth. He's going 100. <laughs> but when the child grows a little. <laughs> so you can speed as much as you want. There's no law. But when they bring a law, they're okay. Now, the speed limit it's 120 kilometers per hour. If you break it, it's called transgression. So formerly, people were doing their own thing. Maybe their conscience tell them, told them that ah, they are going too fast. But you can't catch the person. Because there's no law. <laughs> but the moment the law came in at 120 kilometers, when you break it, you are transgressed. So you know why God brought in the law? The reason the law of Moses was given was to make man know that no, was to expose man. Hmm. The law was not given for man to keep it. It was given for man to break it. <laughs> if, every, <laughs> if the law had been kept, Christ couldn't have come. The law was given to expose man's inner wretchedness. The law was given. There was sin. But man didn't know there was sin. You see, man didn't know what was, what was wrong with him. So the law was given to expose man's sin. For man to know that he's really a sinner. And to bring him to an end of himself so that he can acknowledge the Savior. The law was to... You know, man, I, I read a story years ago of a, this guy. 
some Christian friends who went to the, they went to the beach to swim. So as they were swimming, one of the Christian brothers started drowning. And when you're drowning, it's not easy. Have you drowned before? I remember when I was in Jesus, I was drowning. I saw myself going down, 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 down. And uh, someone just took me out. So thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but you see, when you are drowning, in the beginning, when you are drowning, you struggle to survive. So the guy was struggling. And there's this, among the Christian brothers, there was, there was this guy who's expert in swimming. He's expert. So they were all shouting on him to go and save the guy. And he wasn't minding them. So they were screaming, they were insulting him. You say you are a Christian. Look at the revelations you are sharing. It's like, Look, you are selfish. Won't you save the guy? The guy is dying. So they were all screaming, and he was standing there. Oh, yes. <laughs> he, he was just standing, relaxed. So they thought, now they thought the guy was dead. That's when he jumped in to go and save the guy. So when he brought the guy, they were, they were asking him, why, why did he do this slating? He now began to explain that when someone is drowning, initially, if you try to save him, both of you will be, will be drowned. Because he still know he, he thinks he has strength in himself to save himself. So while you're trying to save him, he has strength. All of you may go down. But not until he's helpless, he cannot be saved. So you allow him to drink more. <laughs> so you allow him to drink and drink and drink, and when his stomach is big, that's when he can save you. <laughs> God gave man a law. Man believed in himself. Man never saw. Had the Lord not come, man wouldn't have seen the need of a savior. You say I'm sick. I'm saying I'm not sick. You say I'm sick. I need a physician. But I say I'm not sick. Uh So I give you something to expose that sickness. Then you go like, oh, it's true. I need. (laughs) So God gave the law to expose man. Because the law is high. The law is God's standard. A man has fallen. So when man tries to live according to God's standard, his, the sin in him is exposed. His wretchedness and weakness is exposed. So man, the Lord had to bring man to the end of himself so that he would see that I need Jesus. I need a savior. That's the reason for the law. Yeah, so when you read Romans 5, when you read Romans 7, wherefore severed the law? For the, it was given for the transgression. In fact, let me just give you, it's so much in Romans. Let me give you one. Romans 5 verse 20. Moreover, the law entered. The Greek says the law came alongside. That holiness might increase. No, that the offense might abound. The law came so that your sin will increase. <laughs> yeah. Praise God. So when Jesus died, you know what he did? He abolished the law. Romans 5, Romans 10 verse 6 says, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness for everyone that believeth. I think it's verse 4. All right. Then Colossians 2 verse 15 and 16. Okay, let's start from 14. Bloating out the handwriting of the... This is the law. In context, when you read it throughout, this is the law. 
blotting out the handwriting of the ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphant over them in it. Therefore, let no man therefore judge you in meat, this is the law, and drink, meat offering, drink offering, or in respect to a feast day, or the new moon, or the Sabbath days. Why? Because they've all been nailed on the cross. So when the law was nailed, transgression was finished. Because it is the law that brings transgression. Hallelujah. Now we are not under the law of Moses again. We are not under the Ten Commandments again. We are under a new law of life. A new law of life. When you live by that, that law, its righteousness is far higher than the righteousness the law can give you. Okay, but that's not my focus today. Let's see the next thing. First, to finish the transgression. And second, Daniel 9.24. And second, to make an end of sins. To make an end of sins. Is it true? But if Christ made an end of sins, why are people still sinning? That's a normal question to ask. Why are people sinning? Yeah. And to make an end of sins. Now, making an end of sins is in the sense of the payment. The payment for sins. That's the idea. It's like uh, you are owing. In the eyes of God, sin is like debt. You, when you have sinned, you are like, God is like the creditor, and you are the one owing. You are owing God um, $100 million. Yeah. And uh, when the debt, everything is paid, the debt is finished. True or false? And Jesus paid for everything, past, present, and future. He paid, <laughs> only God can see that, that. Only God can see that. Yeah. Jesus' sacrifice was prepaid. Yeah. He's, he has paid for everything. From when you were born to when you see his face, he paid for everything. So the debt has been paid. Now the word end, you know what it means? <laughs> you know, the Hebrew is amazing. It's a word for seed. I keep hitting the pulpit. I wish I can apologize to the pulpit. The word end is a word for seal. To set a seal. Stamp. You know why? And make, to make a stamp for our sons. Now, the word tetelestai, in those days, tetelestai was a very, it's a very broad word. It is used in many sense, but it was used in commerce. In, business, in the business world. Now, in those days, if you, you are owing a company, they write all your debts on a parchment. How much you are owing, and everything is written wonderfully on a parchment. But if your debt is paid, is fully paid, then they will take a stamp, and they will stamp the parchment. Tetelestai. So every business, it was a business, every payment of debt in, in the ancient world, the stamp bore the inscription Tetelestai. Literally paid in full. So the telestar is paid in full. So the same parchment which had the debt written on, on it was stamped 
with a telestai, which means paid in full. So when Jesus shouted on the cross, it is finished. Now, the English says it is finished, but no, it's only one word. He shouted one word, finished. So on the cross, Jesus said, Kela, because he was Hebrew. In Greek, it is tetelestai. There cannot be any offering for sin again. It has been, it's finished. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That is why Romans 6, verse 6 and 7, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not save sin. Look at the next verse. Now, say with me, I died with Christ. For he that is dead is freed from sin. You know what it means? This is not, the word here is the kayo. Is the word justified. He that is dead is justified from sin. It's not freed, it's justified. But they want to give you the idea. And the, the, the tense in the Greek is perfect indicative passive. Perfect indicative passive. Once something is done in the perfect tense, you know what it means. Imperfect tense means you have to do it again and again and again. They said Jesus had broken the Sabbath. They wanted to stone him because he had broken the Sabbath. And the word is imperfect tense. Jesus kept breaking the Sabbath. <laughs> Consistently. He just wanted to inform them something. He just cut something across. But perfect tense means it's one. It cannot be done again. So you are freed, justified. Which version is this? Wow. I never took time to check the versions. But I'm justified. Is that not so? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> for he that hath died is justified from sin. And perfect tense speaks of permanent results. It is once, it cannot be repeated. So, you have been justified from sin once and for all. Past, present, and future. I thought you worship him. I know you're worshiping him in your heart, don't worry. Justified. And it's perfect indicative, it's a fact. That's why it's indicative. And it's passive. You didn't do it. He did it. It's in a passive voice. So it speaks of permanent result. Your sins have been justified. Now God sees you as though you have never sinned before. That's what all the foolish things you are doing. (laughs) Before I... Okay, let me not go ahead of time. Praise God. Because God sees you not in your fault. He sees you in Christ. Not because he's not looking at you because you are full of mistakes. He's looking at that. You see, we are the righteousness of God, not in ourselves, in Him. Aha, uh-huh, in Him because we are in Christ. Because He took your place, and God didn't spare that. Can you imagine God's own Son, the one He has been with in all of eternities, the Holy Son of God? God now had to put all your sins on Him. It, it, it was easy for the father. He, he didn't spare it. He bore it all. And he even turned his back to him. To him. He didn't spare. So God is also not sparing for making you the sinner righteous. <laughs> you understand? Yeah. Yeah. This knowledge will set you free. This, that's God's map, actually. It will set you free to serve him well, not in pretense. Hallelujah. Okay, the next one, Daniel 9. 
to make recon- reconciliation for iniquity. The word reconciliation is the word atonement, to make atonement for iniquity. So we have seen transgression, we have seen sins. Then there is iniquity. Iniquity, there is a higher version. <laughs> iniquity is like a, a, the PhD of, a, of sin. <laughs> it means twistedness, crookedness. Uh-huh. You see, there's a difference between iniquity and transgression. Iniquity is an inward motivation, but transgression is an outward movement. For instance, adultery and lust. Can anybody know you are lasting? Hmm, even the prophet cannot say it. <laughs> but, but lust is iniquity. Adultery is transgression. So, iniquity is more within. Uh-huh. Transgression is outward movement. Trespassing something. But la- iniquity is... Uh-huh. It is wickedness on the inside. You know, it comes from the word inequity. It's, it's on the inside. And wickedness, uh, uh, iniquity, is sometimes... It can be last, but... It has been a stronghold for a long time. So iniquity is transferable, especially in families. It could be anger. A family can have anger problems. eh? That is passed on. My prophet, Jima prophesied to someone that his family had had problems with anger for 500 years. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. You were there when he prophesied to the person. I was saying, oh, what kind of prophecy is this? <laughs> so, when we spoke to a guy, hmm. then the person told me that, ah, for him, his problem is anger. Uh-huh. And the wife told me he wants to divorce because of that. He wants to divorce because of anger. Yeah. Because he can't bear it. She can't bear it. So I thought that it's bearable, but when I heard the story, I didn't even say, go on or stop. I, I just said, the Lord be with you, because uh, it was a matter of life and death. <laughs> it, it's from families. Uh-huh. So iniquity, that is why God says that in Ezekiel, in Exodus 34 verse 7. Look at what God said concerning not sin, not transgression, but iniquity. Exodus 34. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sins, and will by no means clear the guilty. Visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and the fourth generation. Yeah. It can be in families. And let me show you what Jesus took. Ezekiel 18 verse 1. Ezekiel 18 verse 1. The word of the Lord came unto me again, saying, What mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on an edge? And that's what happens. Sour grapes. Have you eaten sour grapes before? That this proverb means that your great-grandfather, parents, they did something bad. And you are now reaping the consequences of what they did. It is called generational curse. That's our grapes. 
Hmm. <laughs> Generational blessing is sweet grapes. Uh, it's not. <laughs> no, families have generational blessings as well as generational curses. Yeah. So it happens. Look, we are all connected to each other. If your great grandfather, if your grandfather was not born, would you have been here? Or if he died when he was a small boy, you wouldn't have been here. So we are all connected. So sometimes the children actually reap the consequences of the fathers. But look at what Jeremiah said. God changed it. Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 29. In those days, they shall say no more. The fathers have eaten a sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on an edge. So it was going to change. But when was it going to when was the change going to be effected? The next verse. 30. I think there's something in the 30. Uh-huh. But everyone shall die for his own iniquity. Every man that eateth sagrip, his teeth shall be set on an edge. Verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Now, it happened, the new covenant was cut on the cross. It happened on the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, he's prophesying that a time will come that this sagrip, this whole thing, is not, will not be transferable again. And look at uh, John chapter 19, verse 30. King James, give me another version. Yes. And Jesus, when Jesus had received a sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know what Jesus did? Sour wine is the fermented state of sour grape. That means all the curses from your grandparents and parents in its fermented states. As a sour wine, Jesus took it. So right now, every generational curse has been cut off. After he drank it, he said, finished. And why are you telling me that your, mother's, your, mother, your mother had divorce, your great-grandmother had divorce, great-great-grandmother had divorce, so you too, you are sure? No, Jesus said what? Jesus drank the sour wine and said, finished. Why are you telling me that your, your father had diabetes? Your, uh, great, your grandfather had diabetes. So naturally it is coming to you. Jesus said, finished. He drank the sour wine. Why are you saying hepatitis B is, at, at, is, is calling you? Because it called your mother. And it called your gra- grandmother. So bam, the call is coming on you. Jesus drank it and said, finished. <laughs> Yeah. Don't take the call. The call will surely come, but don't take it. Because Jesus took it. Yeah. Someone told me a few days ago that um, all the family, their marriages don't work. Everybody. Everyone. Not, no one excluded. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, none of them. So I said, well, how about you? I said, hmm. He said, even the relationship, the way it has started breaking. <laughs> even the relationship level is, so she's afraid. Because she, to her, is going to happen. Because that's what, I said, no, you are a believer in Christ. But your unbelief and doubt will bring it to pass. Ah, Jesus has done it. Take your stand and use the word and said, no. What Jesus took away, minus me. 
<laughs> Minus me, it cannot come to me. My family, my family is wild, though. My, <laughs> my family. Yeah, I realize that my mother's side, I'm from Cape Coast. So even this one, my auntie even called me and said, Do you know that every male is a drunkard? Not one exempted. Not one exa- exempted. Whether you went to college or you have a degree. <laughs> no, 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 no. The drunkness had, had no respect to. <laughs> Certificate. It's amazing. So I realized, I realized it's everyone. Wherever you are, no respect to a geographical location. <laughs> so much that it's destroyed their lives. So she called to tell me that you know that you are the only one who is correct and who is standing. Can you imagine. Hey. I said, hey. Why? Because I was the only one in Christ, and through me, the rest are coming. Some of those who had PhD in drinking are now converting. (laughs) It's amazing. All of them. All of them. (laughs) But as a believer, can it happen to me? If I allow it, and if if through unbelief and faithlessness and hearing the wrong stuff and fear, the devil now can you know, encroach and but knowing who you are. Jesus took it. Why should I take it again? So my brother, my sister, your marriage is free. Yeah. Take your stand on the word. Jesus took the sour grip in its most fermented state. So you go to the hospital and they, oh, all manner of sicknesses. Sometimes they will ask you, your father, did he have Sometimes when I'm going to give birth, they will ask you, did your father have diabetes? God's word is the solution. Yeah, you are a new, you belong to a new family tree. Look, you are born from heaven. You are a new creation. Those things must not touch you. Some of the cases are poverty. Nobody makes it in your whole family. So you were also there and said, ah, it's my family heritage. Wherever God, this is my destiny. Yeah, God he put me into this family. <laughs> Let me accept it like that. No. No. Whether it is poverty or nobody can get into higher education, whether it is divorce in marriage, or a kind of sicknesses and diseases, you are a new creation. Take the word of God and advance in life. And sometimes it's behavioral tendencies and hang-ups. Aha. Uh-huh. Humanizing. Everybody in the family is humanizing. They, they can't take their eyes from every lady passing by. Slim, short, fat, tall, black, dark, Chinese, Indonesian, Italian. There's someone in my family like that. The guy, he's dead now. 
everybody. And one day I was wondering, why are you doing this? He said, oh, you, when I was like you, I was serving God more than you. So you wait and see. <laughs> yeah. So when I was your age, my commitment to God, it was amazing. That's what he told me. So I should just wait and see. I waited and I never saw it. <laughs> yeah. So don't you are different. And I'm telling you, if you come to this church, you are taught the word. You have the Bible. You must be distinct. Yeah. Holistically. Behavior. Your walk. Your talk. Your manner. Excellence. Even the way you dress. Even the way you comb your hair. Even the way you wear your shoe. Even your socks. The way you greet your family members. Look, the word of God will transform you inward out. Praise God. And if you are the savior in your family, what is, the, the, what is in the family? You are exempted. You are the savior to bring them out. That's your portion in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Yeah. Because Jesus has made reconciliation for iniquity. So you are free. Don't let any prophets mislead you. But I've seen. <laughs> yeah. The prophecy must be redemptive. Yeah, must be redemptive. Praise God. All right. The last one to bring in everlasting righteousness. So I'm not starting my message. (laughs) Before I realize everyone is gone and I'm the only one here preaching. Hallelujah. To bring in. When Jesus died, he brought in everlasting righteousness. This is in the Bible, but it's as if people have not seen this in the Bible. It's not temporary righteousness. Everlasting. The word everlasting is olam in Hebrew. Olam. O-L-A-M. Olam. Which means perpetual existence. Unending future. Indefinite, always, forever. That's it. Perpetual existence, an ending future, indefinite, always, forever. So, right now, in Christ, our righteousness is forever. Our righteousness is always. Our righteousness is indefinite. Our righteousness is in continuous, perpetual existence. In the Old Testament, their righteousness was temporal. Because they got their righteousness from the blood of bulls and of goats. And every Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, the high priest would offer the blood on the mercy seat. And for that one year, for that one year, the blood would cover the mercy seat. That means that the blood covers them. So God doesn't see their stubbornness. God sees their righteousness. Uh-huh. Because you see, when God saw the blood, it, He saw His Son's blood. It was a promissory note. But the problem with Israel was that they didn't offer the atonement every year. Because most of the times they would enter into idolatry. And sometimes for 40 years they would forget offering the atonement. And God would kill them. That was all their problems. That's why their problem was idolatry. 
Uh-huh. But whenever it was offered, that is why Balaam was about to curse them. And he says, he starts saying wonderful things. Numbers 20, 29, uh, 23, 19, 21, 21. He has beheld no iniquity in Israel. And he has seen no perverseness in Jacob. So God has not seen. Not that they were not, they were not sinning, but God had not seen it because of the blood. Uh-huh. And in Micah 6, 5, God calls it his righteousness. Uh-huh. So it was temporal. It was yearly. But what we have received is what? Everlasting righteousness. Uh-huh. You have to keep your focus on Christ because of his payment. If you fo- focus on yourself, you wouldn't even believe it. No? Because of the payment and what he has done. He took your place and God made you take his place. Everlastingly. Not temporal righteousness. That means that you cannot lose your righteousness. No, you don't lose your righteousness. The day you think you've lost your righteousness, it's the same way you don't lose the Holy Ghost. One day a friend came to me years ago. He was wondering whether the Holy Ghost was gone. So he came and said, He wanted to speak in tongues and see whether he can have some feeling or sensation as a proof that the Holy Ghost was there. I said, don't do that. The Holy Ghost is not a feeling. So he thought the Holy Ghost was gone, but so he was trying to speak in tongues. His conscience was troubling him. <laughs> the Holy Ghost doesn't come and go. You have been sealed forever with the Holy Ghost of promise. Uh-huh. And if you have the Holy Ghost, it's a proof that you'll be raptured. Because you have been sealed with the Holy Ghost until the day of redemption, the redemption of our bodies. So the qualification for rapture is the Holy Ghost. Proverbs, hey, I said Proverbs. Ephesians 4 verse 30. Why won't I say Proverbs? That scripture isn't proverbial. It's literal. Now, if our righteousness is not everlasting, you know what we are saying? We are saying that the blood of bulls and goats are even better than the blood of Christ. Yeah. Because some people think that they, they lose their righteousness every day. Then the blood of bulls and goats, they are even better because for that one, it was even a year. Uh-huh. So you don't lose your righteousness. Praise God. It, it's everlasting. You don't lose it. It's everlasting. Even when you fail, it's not gone. I like the way you said, wow. Yeah, it's not gone. It's not gone. You don't, you don't lose it. Hmm. Yeah. You don't lose it. When you sin, you don't lose your righteousness. It's, it's some way to hear it. But you don't lose your righteousness. You, you have to know it to help you. Otherwise, we are saying that the work of Satan in Adam is stronger and greater than the work of God in Christ. In Adam, we became sinners. We did a lot of good. But did that good make us righteous? All the good we did as sinners never changed our sinnership. <laughs> you see? It never changed our sinnership. Uh-huh. Though we were doing good works. Uh-huh. In the same way, in our righteousness, when you fail or miss it, you don't lose that righteousness. So don't walk away from God. Where are you going? Where are you going? 
And some people think that now, if sin, if you sin, if you lose your righteousness when you sin, it means you can lose your righteousness hundred times a day. Now, now think of it logically. It means you can lose it hundred times a day, because you are defining what sin is. What is sin? When I read my Bible, the Bible says, "Whatsoever is not of faith is sin." So do you know how many times you, you would have lost your righteousness in one day? Because whatever is not of faith is sin. Because you were feeling headache and you went to take aspirin. You couldn't even believe that by his stripes you were healed. That's what he did for you. <laughs> do you know that worry is sin? You didn't know what is fear is sin. One great sin is murmuring and complaining. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we were coming on the highway, someone was even murmuring in the car. Because this driver is this driver, this driver. Yeah, like by now you've lost your righteousness. <laughs> Because those, the, those who go to hell, the, f- the first two qualifications, Revelation 21 8, but the fearful and the unbelieving. Yeah, fear. Afraid of darkness. And unbelieving. Yeah. So, your righteousness, so we define what sin is. So, you think because. <laughs> no. Worry is sin. So, you would have lost. You just got worried. Righteousness is gone. You just got depressed. The righteousness is gone. You see how life would have been. But did you think Jesus died to give us such weak righteousness? No, 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 no. He didn't die to give us such weak righteousness. If we say that is his righteousness, it is his righteousness that he gave us. So we are saying that that is, is his righteousness. It's, it's a gift. He took our son and gave us his righteousness. So you don't lose it. It is called everlasting righteousness. You are forever accepted once and for all. Yeah. So you are still righteous. Even if you feel you are righteous. Yeah. After the failure you are still righteous. Hallelujah. So why don't you smile? Because that's what Jesus did for you. Because <laughs> I see some of you are amazed at what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, don't think God has forsaken you. He can't do that. <laughs> he can't forsake you. Romans 5, verse 17. Romans 5, 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned, by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Much more. They which receive abundance of grace and the gift. So your righteousness is a gift. It's not a reward. It's a gift. You don't earn it by. You don't earn it to get a reward. It's, it's a free gift. The gift. Say the gift of righteousness. Now the, the Greek says. The gift of the clearance of all guilt. 
the gift of the clearance of all guilt. Much more, those who receive the gift of the clearance of all guilt, your guilt has been cleared. The gift of the clearance of all guilt. But the word receive here, yeah, is in the present active. It's present, yeah, active participle. So you can read it this way. Those who are constantly receiving the abundance of grace and constantly receiving the gift of the clearance of all guilt. They shall reign. Now the word reign here, basilios, is the word for an empire, empirical rule. You will reign as an emperor. Literally, those who receive the gift of the clearance of all guilt shall keen in life. Shall keen in life. That means if you receive the gift of the clearance of all guilt, you will reign in life. Now, this is God's, you will reign. You will reign over addictions. I'm telling you. You will reign over fear. You will reign over lust. You will reign over sicknesses. You will reign over diseases. That's it. Question, why are Christians not reigning? Because he says that those who receive the gift of the clearance of their guilt, when it were the righteousness of God, <laughs> your, 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 your guilt is already cleared. But you have to live in a consciousness of it. Aha. Uh-huh. Those who receive the gift of the clearance of their guilt, they are those who reign. Reign. Praise God. Now, the word guilt in, in English is from the word guilt. G-Y-L-T. That's where it came from. Guilt. And guilt actually means, it means sin. That's three meanings. Sin. Then it means moral defect. Then it means failure of duty. Failure of duty. Normally when you are guilty, it's because of something, either something you have done or something you have not done. Is that not so? You are guilty for something, something you have done wrong or something you should have done. Yeah. But the, the word guilt is also from the Latin word gildan. The Latin word gildan. J-I-E-L-D-A-N. And gildan actually means, you know, making payment to discharge a debt. Making payment to discharge a debt. Now what it means is that anytime you are guilty, you are saying, I want to pay. That's what guilt means. Anytime you bring yourself under the weight of guilt, you are saying, I want to pay. I want to pay. I want to pay my debt. I want to pay. That's what guilt means. And whenever you say, I want to pay, I want to pay, you are saying, God is a liar. God is a liar. God is a liar. Yeah. Because why do you intend to pay for that which Christ already paid? Yes. Why do you want to pay that which Christ already paid? I want to pay, I want to pay, I want to pay. Praise God. That's the power of guilt. That's the power of guilt. But Jesus took it away. You don't have to pay what Jesus paid when he died. (laughs) You see, those who reign, there is a physical byproduct of guilt. 
take time and read Psalm 51 and 32. When, when David sinned and the guilt was too much. One thing David said was, David said that his, his, his bones, they were snapped in the heat of summer. You could see it even affected his bones. The moisture of his bones were sapped up. As in the heat of summer. There was a physical byproduct. He was sick because of his guilt. And when moisture is dried up in your bones, that's when you, your body starts shrinking. So there are tall people who are now smaller because of guilt. <laughs> now, for information, psychologists and mental health professionals have told us that guilt is the mother of all our addictions. Guilt is the mother of all addictions. They tell us that guilt, the reason why people smoke and they're addicted to smoking is because of guilt. The reason people drink and drink and drink and they're alcoholics is because of guilt. The reason people sleep around, who are they? Sexaholic. It's a word. <laughs> why are they addicted to have sleeping with people? Guilt. Why are they addicted to eating, eating, eating? Too much food. Guilt. Yeah. Why are people addicted to pornography? Guilt. Why are people addicted to masturbation? Guilt. Now, this is a, this is not a, you've told us that the reason guilt is the mother of all addictions, they concluded that all addictions come from guilt. Something you should have done or something you couldn't do. And the thing weighs, weighs you down. Is guilt. Praise God. Hallelujah. You see, in God's wisdom, those who receive the gift of the clearance of all, when they know all their guilt have been cleared, they will reign. You know what it means to reign? They will reign as kings. You will reign over addictions. You can reign over addictions. You can reign over masturbation. You can reign over pornography as king. You reign. You are in charge. You are in charge. You are ruling. You are reigning. Praise God. How can weed, cigar, reign over your life as a new creation? Weed. No. I mean, (laughs) how can that reign over you? A bottle of alcohol. How can that reign over you? You will reign in life. So you can reign over every kind of addiction. Praise God. Hallelujah. You can reign over diseases. You can reign over, over poverty. You, you, you can reign. You can reign. You can reign. You can reign over fear. You can reign over gossip. Someone said gossip is sweet as honey. <laughs> it's sweet as honey. Can you imagine? Yeah. Honey also undergoes fermentation. Honey can be very poisonous. Praise God. So when you are in guilt, I'm telling you, it's a matter of our addictions. The matter. There's a testimony I read. And uh, this person had cancer on his face. Cancer on his face. Then in a service, he stood up and he said the pastor should pray for him. So when the pastor stood in front of him, he had a word of knowledge. 
the Lord opened his eyes and saw that the brother, the, the guy who was sick, had self-hatred for himself. Self-hatred. And was in condemnation. Carried so much guilt on himself. So he just spoke to me and said, the Lord said I should tell you, your sins and iniquities, he doesn't remember. He took it away in his son, Jesus Christ. You know what happened? The guy smiled and embraced it and instantly everything disappeared. I mean, in front of the church, in front of the whole crowd, disappeared. There's this man also who had cancer and he was on the deathbed and the nurse, this was a testimony from the nurse. Because the guy, they gave him some days to die and his death was nearer. So as he stood by him, he found, she found herself saying, in the name of Jesus, all your sons are forgiven, all your sons are gone. Your sons have been remitted. In the name of Jesus, God has not hold it against you. After saying it, she came to herself, what have I said? Because she didn't even understand what she was saying. So she said, how can I say her sins? It was by the Spirit. So she was wondering whether she had done something wrong. After a few days, three, four days, the guy was walking, wow. was walking around. And met this mess and told the mess that she has been, he, had, he had been in guilt and condemnation. And he was dying. But when he heard a voice, he knew that it was God speaking to him. And everything, can you imagine, it was supernatural. Everything disappeared. Hallelujah. You know why? Because guilt and condemnation, faith worketh by love. Hmm. When, the more you know you are loved by God, eh? Papa God, the more your faith comes alive. But the more you are consumed with guilt and condemnation, your faith doesn't operate. Your faith is inoperative. So whatever you pray for, whatever you declare, whatever you speak, nothing is happening. Because you are in the, you, you are, you are in the bondage of guilt and condemnation. Self-hatred. You've not forgiven yourself. Praise God. But we reign in life. Now God says that if you know how free you are from guilt, actually that, that is how you can reign over those things. Those who are in bondage to pornography, then guilt. If they know their sins have been cleared, they will have the power to reign over it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are reigning in life. Yeah. If you are not happy in life, you are not reigning. If your face is like the Sadducees, sad, you are not reigning. Joy. Be refreshed. That's why you should have the word of God every day saturating your heart. Full of joy. Reigning. Rejoicing with your family. Hallelujah. We'll close very soon, don't worry. <laughs> Hallelujah. Say, I have the gift of the clearance of all my guilt. Yeah. That, the Bible says that's how we reign. And that's the Greek. That's how we reign. So why are Christians not reigning? Because they are living in the bondage of guilt. For what they have done and what they have not done. Take your eyes from yourself and look to the cross. 
What do you see out of the cross? He took your place. He died in your name. Everything is cleared. You've now taken his place. That's a holy transaction. All right. Let's go to Malachi chapter 4, verse 2. But unto you that fear my name shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and he shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. Now, there are two blessings of righteousness, light and healing. Righteousness is light, and righteousness brings healing. Now, you read the, the son of righteousness. It can be read the light of righteousness. It can be read the light of righteousness. Unto you that fear my name shall the light of righteousness. Or the son of righteousness. It can also be read the day star of righteousness. The day star of righteousness. And then... You know, the sun was to rule the day. The Bible says the sun was to rule. That's dominion. The day. The sun was to rule the day. If you are his righteousness, you have light. You, you are like the sun to rule. Now, do you remember John 1, 5, that the Bible says the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend. The word comprehend was not exactly translated as it was supposed to be. Because comprehend means understand. John 1, 5. The word comprehend literally is kata dunastio. Kata dunastio. From two words, kata not kata. Kata. Now, kata means to subdue, to subject, to pull down. And dunastio is from the word dominion or to dominate. Uh-huh. So when the Bible says the darkness could not comprehend it, you know what it means? It means the darkness does not have the ability to hold or to suppress the light in, in its domain. The darkness does not have the ability to hold or to suppress the light in its domain. The darkness does not have the ability to hold or to suppress the light in its domain. The darkness does not have the ability. Now, you are the light of the world. Righteousness means you are light. The son of righteousness, the light. Darkness does not have the ability so why are you maybe all your problem is masturbation and that's darkness but if you know that you are the light of righteousness that darkness does not have the ability to hold or, or to suppress you in its domain or some of you maybe your problem is that some witches or witchcraft in your family or some demons are tormenting you the bible says that the darkness does not have the ability to suppress or to hold you in its domain. No. Praise God. So when you say, I am the righteousness of God, you know what you are saying? You are on top. You rule. You reign. No, addictions cannot prevail over your life. Yeah. Diseases cannot hold you down. Disease is darkness. Poverty is darkness. Fear is darkness. They can't suppress you in its domain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I like this verse. And the light shines. And uh-huh. 
has never overpowered it. Wow. Put it out or absorbed it. So why do you say witches are powerful than you? And, and why do you... So if you see Satan here, will he run away? Hey, the way I said... Mm. If Satan comes to stand here, don't you think you will leave me? And him alone. You say you, are, you, you say you are a man of God. You handle him. <laughs> you go home and you open your door and you see a creature with long ears. Wow. Say, say, <laughs> say, this must be an alien. <laughs> the Bible says flee from fornication. He didn't say flee from demons. He said the devil will flee from you. So who is supposed to flee? Now, for the scripture, who is supposed to flee? Not you. I've never seen light right? running away from darkness. Uh-huh. Yeah. Someone called me that, oh, she had a dream and she saw hell and demons and they were chasing her and she was running, running. It wasn't a joke. I said, look, next time you chase it. They don't have to chase you. Change your dream. The next time. Huh. <laughs> yeah. The next time you should pursue it. How can someone chase you with water pistol? You will run for all your life. Oh God. What's a pistol? Meanwhile, you are having AK-47. That's what is happening. Christians have AK-47. They have the power of the name of Jesus. The demons are chasing them with a pistol. And they are crying that their lives have ended. Hmm. Yeah. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Hallelujah. Shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings? Healing in, in his wings. Now let me show you what righteousness brings healing. Healing in his wings. Hmm. Luke 8, verse 44. Luke 8, 44. Those of you who, of you who have started yawning will close very soon. Okay. Very soon. Yeah. Are you okay? Okay. Yeah. Even at the height of glory, Peter and James and John slept. In the presence of Jesus, Elijah and Moses, they slept. Because they had to climb the mountain was 10,000 feet. Yeah, so they were tired. Very well. We were using a car and we climbed 2,000 feet, 2,400 feet. It's a long time. It was a long time for us. And they had to climb Mount Hermon, the highest peak in Israel, 10,000 feet. So don't criticize them that they slept. (laughs) (laughs) The woman with the issue of blood came behind him and touched the border of his garment. The border of his garment. Now, um, is there any lady close by? Okay, so I'm not in a robe. The Bible didn't say she touched the shoulder, touched my shoulder. Some of us think that oh, she just touched Jesus, added the shoulder. Jesus wasn't in trousers. 
It's not a good illustration. Thank you very much. <laughs> if there was someone in the robe here, I would have used the person. Robe. You are in suit. Uh, okay, you come. Okay. Uh, but this is not what Jesus was wearing. His own was down. Yeah. Uh-huh. So she touched the border. Here. Just touched it. But it wasn't like this. I'll explain how it was. But why did she touch that place? <laughs> why that place? <laughs> Mark 6 verse 56. <laughs> And whithersoever he entered into villages, wherever it was a revelation, because wherever he went, in, look at it, villages, cities, or country, they laid the sick in the street and besought him that they might touch, as it were, the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. So wherever he went, whether cities or villages or country, that place paid. Why? <laughs> hmm. Numbers fifteen thirty seven. The next verse. Speak unto the children of Israel and bid them that they make them fringes in the borders of their garments throughout their generations. And that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribband of blue. So actually, it was blue. Uh-huh. Now it is called. It's blue. Yeah, no. The, their shirt, the color was not. It was a f- border that was blue. <laughs> it was a border that was blue, not the entire shirt. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. It was called the, the Craspidon. Uh-huh. It was a tassel. Tassel. Uh-huh. Have you seen the Talit before? Yeah. Uh-huh. You can see some. What's the name? Some knots. No, something, something's hanging. Yes. Fringes. Yeah, the fringes. That's what we are talking about. So, all the males in Israel, when they dress, that's how they dress. There's a kind of fringes mm. at the border of their garment. Mm-hmm. It was called Craspidon. In, in, Jesus calls it, it's also called phylacteries. If you've read that in King James before, phylacteries. The Pharisees there, they make their phylacteries broad to show that they were, they were holy. Okay. Now, so why did they touch it? Now, Jesus had the same dress, but his was different. Now, they had to wait. If you read up to verse 39, the reason it was because it, had, it reminded them of the commandment. That's it. Of, of God's commandments. That's why they had to do it. So everyone had to wear it. Praise God. Yeah. It was a talith, craspidon, which was a symbol of righteousness. Now, back to Malachi 4 verse 2. Why did Malachi 4 verse 2 
shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. Healing in his wings. Now the word wings is not the wing of a bed. <laughs> the word wings in the Hebrew is the same word kanaf. The same word for the hem of the garment. The same word for the border of the garment. The same word kraspidon, talith, hem, border of the garment. That's what he's talking about. So the Messiah, this is the last prophecy about Jesus in the Old Testament. That when the Messiah comes, his garments, the border will carry healing. So when he came, these guys, they were never using the New Testament. It wasn't there. It was the Old Testament they were using. If he's the Messiah, he must have healing. In the border of his garments. So the woman with the issue of blood was first to have that revelation. Maybe someone had preached that Messiah when he comes. And they go to the synagogue every, every Saturday to hear. So she penetrated and touched it. Shoom! She was healed. And every, now they started coming. Villages, cities, the country. They touched. Shoom! They were healed. Yeah. Healing in his wings is healing in the border of his garment. Hmm. Praise God. Now, you know, when you keep all the commandments in the Old Testament, one day, that's when healing and health comes. Yeah. But Jesus, the garment he was having, Isaiah 61 verse 10, today we have his robe of righteousness. Today you have his robe of righteousness. You know what righteousness brings? Healing. So I don't understand you when you are always on the bed. Morning, man, January, February, March. Every time you're on the bed, you are celebrating sicknesses. Whenever you say, I am the righteousness of God, you know what you are saying? Healing belongs to me. Health is mine. The whole talith was a symbol of righteousness. And now, you are not going to touch Jesus. The thing is now wearing, you are wearing it. You, because you, Christ is your righteousness and you are the righteousness of God in him you have become it yeah. so when you are not feeling well say I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus I declare I am healed in the name of Jesus first confess your righteousness which is, uh, which is your receipt <laughs> showing your rights in Christ it's my right uh-huh. it's, it's your right Righteousness means that God is now giving you all that Christ deserves. Yeah, because on the cross, he gave Christ all that you deserve. It's a holy transaction. It's a holy exchange. So I am healed, the righteousness of God. Addiction cannot rule over me. If you say you are the righteousness of God, it releases God's power. Look, that is why you have to say it by revelation. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when you say it by faith, God's power is released. Hmm. Oh, blessed is she that believeth. Do you know that in Romans 1.16, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes. The word salvation is soteria. The first meaning is deliverance. It is the power of God unto, de- unto deliverance, unto healing, unto health, unto provision, unto wholeness, unto well-being, unto peace, unto prosperity. That's the word salvation salvation is not being saved from hell it's more than that it's soteria it's deliverance now 
So it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God unto what? Salvation. The next verse says that for therein is the what? The righteousness of God. So the gospel equals righteousness of God, which equals the power of God unto salvation. What is the gospel? The righteousness of God. If you have not preached the righteousness of God, the righteousness of God, you have not preached the gospel. Because the gospel is the revelation of the righteousness of God. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone that believes. And what is that gospel? For in it is the righteousness of God revealed. So the gospel is the revelation of the righteousness of God. Show me a man who has preached the gospel and I will show you a man who has preached the righteousness of God. Why do you think I'm preaching righteousness? Because I want to preach the gospel. Because the gospel is a revelation of the righteous, righteousness of God. And the Bible says that the power of the gospel that brings salvation is the righteousness of God. So God's righteousness is the power of God unto deliverance. So for instance, you are struggling with uh, masturbation, which a lot of young men are struggling today. Even married people are struggling today. What do you do? When you declare, I am the righteousness of God, you are declaring God's power for your deliverance. Because as a righteousness of God is. <laughs> I just remember something very interesting. <laughs> Yesterday, the kids were going for a camp meeting. And uh, the last one <laughs> was not going because it's, the age is not up to. We saw her in the room saying, uh, she was in the room saying, I will go in Jesus' name. I'm the righteousness of God. <laughs> I'm the, nothing can prevent me. <laughs> All things are possible. <laughs> so, when she declared righteousness and, and the fact that she was not going, I was feeling for her. <laughs> because I've told her that righteousness opens the door for you. <laughs> She can't understand why her sinister sister is going and she's not going. She said, no, I will go because I'm the righteousness of God. <laughs> I was impressed. It's powerful. Yeah. So you must declare it. Not once. Keep declaring it. Because the power is released. It is the power of God for your deliverance. Hallelujah. Because that's who you are in Christ. And that revelation will set you above everything. All the things you are struggling with, whether sickness or disease or addictions, you come up. And your life will be full of joy, happiness, glory. You'll, you'll be surprised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let me give you the last. It's one o'clock. Someone saying, preach, preach, but in his heart. Man of God, Why? <laughs> <laughs> Man of God, why? <laughs> oh, you are here. We are done with the, the wings. Hallelujah. We are all wearing our robe. So finally, righteousness brings us peace. Peace, finally. Peace. Isaiah 32, verse 17. It's a prophecy concerning, uh, concerning us. I want you to look at it so that you see it yourself. The work of righteousness shall be what? Peace. peace. The work of righteousness shall be peace. Okay. James 
James 3.18. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace in them that make peace. You see, the fruit of righteousness is peace. Hallelujah. Hebrews 12 verse 11. Hebrews 12 verse 11. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward, it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. What is the fruit of, fruit of righteousness? Peace. It yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Okay. Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7 says that, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of king, the kings and blessed him. Look at it. First, to whom Abraham, also Abraham gave a tenth of all, first being by interpretation king of righteousness. King of righteousness. And after that, also king of Salem, which is king of peace. Righteousness always comes, always brings peace. That's the order in the Bible. Where there's righteousness, righteousness, there is peace. Hallelujah. Christ brought us peace. But which kind of peace did he, did he bring us? Isaiah 57 verse 19. I want you to see how Isaiah, Isaiah put it. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is, af, that is afar off and to him that is nigh. <laughs> Say peace, peace, peace. Now this is a style of writing in Hebrew. They were blessing David and they also used the word peace, peace. Peace, peace. Peace, peace to him that is afar and to him that is now. And Isaiah 26 verse 1, thou wilt keep him in what? Perfect. It's not even perfect peace. It's peace, peace. Aha. Uh-huh. You, you, verse 3. You read other versions... You read other versions, and it doesn't say perfect peace, because in the Hebrew it says peace, peace. You can get me a version that says peace, peace. Now, when a word is used twice, you know what it means? Now, it means that... <laughs> now, peace, peace in Hebrew can be translated, translated perfect peace, double peace, but it is peace with prosperity. That's when it is used twice. It speaks of aggressive peace. Now, when it is doubled, it means that the idea is so intense, so profound, and so colossal that your mind cannot begin to fathom what it brings you. Peace, peace. So he says, let's go back to 57 verse 19. Peace, peace to those who are what? Afar. And to those who are nah. So, peace with prosperity. Double peace, perfect peace, aggressive peace to those who are far and to those who are nigh. When was it fulfilled? When was it fulfilled? Ephesians 2, verse 17. Ephesians 2, verse 17. Now, now when you read from verse 14, it speaks of the death of Christ. And after his death, and came and preached peace to you which are afar off. And to them which are nigh, are very, are what were nigh, are far off is Gentiles. Nigh is what the Jews. But where it was quoted from, it's not just ordinary peace. It's what peace, peace, <laughs> peace with prosperity. When Jesus rose from the dead, the first thing he said was, "Peace be unto you." 
That's the first thing he said. And he showed them his hands. He said, peace be unto you. That's the first thing he said. Brethren, if you are conscious of this righteousness, the effect on your life is peace. And this is the peace he brought you. Double peace. Peace with prosperity. Perfect peace. Peace, peace. Peace, peace. And your life must be so peaceful. There are some people all their lives, they are waging a battle somewhere. But when will you be at peace to now bless others? To concentrate on others? There is no peace. Warren, Warren. Peace. And not just peace, peace, peace. Now, when Jesus was, was, was in the boat, he was just crossing the river to um, the lake to heal the maniac of Gadara. And there was a storm. You know why? All those demons wanted to prevent him from going there because they know that after Jesus, if he crossed that lane, he's going to deliver the guy. So all the evil spirit. Now that's how, if you read from the original, that's what it means. The winds and the water, it was actually spirits stirring up those things against Jesus. But he was asleep. He was asleep. Can you be asleep in the midst of your trouble? Your boyfriend broke your the relationship. Can you be asleep? Can you be? Some of you guys, you want a lady. Listen, let me show you the best time to get a lady. Sleep. Listen, I said sleep. When Adam slept, that is when God brought his bride. No, I'm not talking about laziness. <laughs> I'm saying it's a principle, rest. Don't struggle. Hey, no rest. May I told God, may I told God that I'll not struggle to find a lady. I told the father that I'm tired. I'm just resting in you. I told the Lord, as I'm resting in you. And when I rested, Lo and behold, I opened my eyes. <laughs> and God brought my wife. Seven times better than all those I was watching. Yeah, so. uh-huh. Yes, peace, peace. Yes, peace, peace. <laughs> peace, peace. Uh-huh. So just, just relax and trust Him. <laughs> and Jesus was asleep in the midst of the storms do you know that if you are conscious of your righteousness now the word righteous is the word dikayo d-i-k I know you want to write so let me take my time d-i-k-a d-i-k-a-i-o-o O-O. Now the word, the, the last O-O actually means to treat, to treat, to account or to reckon. The last O-O. To treat, to account or to reckon, to treat. So, Pastor Micah, come. <laughs> so, what it means is that righteousness, you know what it means? This is Jesus, this is me. 
if Jesus, now that Jesus has become my righteousness, the Father is now treating me as though he's treating Christ. I like the way you say, mm, my brother, the truth is the truth. <laughs> yeah, I like the way you are receiving God's word. But can you believe that, can you ever be in that conscious state that, now that I'm here, now that I'm going home walking on the, on the road, there's no money in my pocket, but the Father is treating me just as he would have treated Jesus, or just as he's treating Jesus. Can you believe that? That's what I've been talking about. Righteousness. Because you see, when he took your place, and you, do you believe he took your place? I know you believe, but you don't believe that you have taken his place. That, that's the problem. And when you, he, he took your place, all that you deserved came over him. Not one left the eyes of God. Now that you have taken his place, where you are, oh my Lord, you are tempting me. You are te- um, um, Romans 5. <laughs> Romans 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace. You see, the word justified means declared righteous. Being declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access. We have, it's perfect tense. We have forever. Access by faith into this Grace wherein we stand. Stand is perfect tense. It's a permanent standing. It's a permanent having. Now you stand in favor. There's a spot called favor ground. You are in the favor ground. You stand in that place permanently. Why? That's a, that spot belongs to Christ. When he took your spot, God gave, your, God gave you his spot. Now God is treating you as Christ. But if you can believe and be conscious of it, yeah, because he loves you as his son. Thank you. So that's the word, the last, the last OO. Treats, account, record. So just when you are sleeping, don't pray long prayers when you are sleeping because you're already tired. <laughs> a, a, a lot of long prayers are because of fear. May I don't struggle when I'm sleeping. I, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. Sometimes I even say righteous, but by the time the God comes, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm gone. Yeah, I'm gone. Just yeah. yeah. Praise God. And it's the one you are praying. You you are praying to enjoy God. So when you have this revelation, most of your prayers will be thanksgiving and praise. Uh huh. Praise. When you know that God is all for you. If you don't take time, you go to heaven and you regret that. Ah, so God was for me this way. Yeah. Now, if you are in a ship, in a boat, and there's a storm, you know, God will treat you. God is already treating you like he treated his, treated his son. But he wants you to do something about it. Or if we're in a plane and there is turbulence, which is better? In the, on the boat, in the plane. <laughs> Bishop said, <laughs> because when the plane is like this, you can't tell. <laughs> you don't know. The devil can give you wild imaginations. 
what about if the pilot is asleep or he has just mistakenly touched something? It's a whole lot. Engine failure. One day I was in the plane, I saw the was um, the thing that moves around. Propeller. I was watching it and a thought came to my head. Hey, so if this thing seizes, <laughs> I, I was just watching it and say, if it seizes, and we're, I mean, we're in the clouds. If it ceases to move, what will happen? And all sort of thoughts. I took those thoughts to the obedience of Christ. I said, no, I'm here. It cannot. It can never happen. Yeah. The way the Father would treat Jesus, would the Father allow Jesus, Jesus to get an accident? Uh, and I'm his righteousness. It's, it's the same thing. He'll never allow me. Now, the last thing is that, back to Isaiah 57, 19. Peace, peace. Now, the peace, think of it, peace, peace, double peace, perfect peace. That is, that is yours as God's righteousness. And I want you to have peace in all your life, whether in marriage, in your work, in your relationship, in your walk with God. I create the fruit of the lips. You know the fruit of the, of the lips? Words. God in the Bible has given us certain things to confess. In the Old Testament, he gave us, number one, righteousness, and number two, peace. We confess peace. I create the fruit of the lips means he gives you words to say. If you have Amplified. Let's go to Hosea 14, verse 1 and 2. Hosea 14. What is the fruit of the lips? The fruit of the lips. The fruit of the lips. Verse 2. Take with you words and return to the Lord and say to him, Take away our iniquity and accept what is good and receive us graciously. So we will render our thanks and the bullocks to be sacrificed and pay the confession of our lips. Now in the Bible, the fruit of the lips is words. Some versions says the fruit of our lips, but Amplified says the confession of our lips. Praise God. So back to Isaiah 57. God says, I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace. You see, what this verse is saying is that you must declare peace, peace. Confess peace, peace. So when Jesus was in the boat, Although he's the righteousness of God, he said, peace be still. And peace was still. That is why I'm saying that as a righteousness, righteousness of God, keep declaring peace. In your family, peace be still. In your pocket, peace be still. In your body, peace be still. You know, peace is shalom. Peace means prosperity. Peace means health. It's shalom. Yeah. Peace is well-being, wholeness. Yeah. Peace in your, in your pocket is prosperity. Peace in your body is health. Yeah. Peace in your mind. Sound mind. Yeah. The fruit of right, the effect of righteousness, the work of righteousness is peace. I am the righteousness, righteousness of God. If you declare it, you are releasing peace. 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 You have to say it. You have to say it. Peace in my home. Jesus said what you said. You are a custodian of peace. Aha. Uh-huh. He said, wherever you enter, you can let your peace be on the place. If they don't receive you, you can let your peace return to you. So it works. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And say, my righteousness is everlasting. I will not lose it. I will not lose it. 
I'm cleared from all guilt. Therefore, I reign over all addictions, over poverty, over disease, over fear, over circumstances, over calamity, over disaster, over demons, over Satan, over sin, over immorality. I'm on top. I'm in the realm of peace. Come on, begin to pray. Lift up your voice. Make confessions. Malo Shembra Candele. Bele Basambra. I am the righteousness of God. He brought me everlasting righteousness. I have everlasting righteousness. Glory to God. It cannot be lost. It cannot be lost. It cannot be lost. I will not lose it. You cannot lose it. Forever accepted in the beloved. We are accepted in his acceptance. <laughs> you are his beloved son. The father loves you just as he loves Jesus. The father loves you just as he loves Jesus. If God spared not his own son, but delivered him up for you all, how shall he not with him give you all things hey he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him he has made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace to your children. Peace to your family. Healing is mine. The robe of righteousness. My sins are gone. My sins are gone. He has finished the transgression. He has made an end of sins. He has made an end of sins. Hey! Now, maybe if you examine your life, you can see that something from your parents and your parent parents seem to linger around your life. A kind of addiction or a kind of curse or hang up or behavioral tendencies or something negative, whether it is marital or diseases, as if it is passed on to you. Or the only thing you have to do is to take your ground. You are his righteousness. Jesus drank the sour wine. It must not come to you impossibly because he took it. I want you to lift up your voice and declare your victory. Any negative thing in your family, you belong to God's family. You belong to God's family. You are the family of God. You have a new lineage. You are a chosen generation. Baba Laba Sunday. You are a new creation. It will not come to you. It will not come to you. He has made reconciliation for iniquity. Reconciliation for iniquity. Reconciliation 
for iniquity it cannot come to you you are delivered you are safe your marriage is safe your finances are safe 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 your marriage is safe your marriage is safe your marriage is safe your marriage is safe thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Arababai Barababai Barababai Rababai Barabai Barabai Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want you to pray. Those who are constantly receiving the gifts of righteousness, of clearance of all guilt. Maybe you are carrying some guilt, some condemnation, some heaviness. You want to say, Jesus, thank you for being my righteousness. Jesus, thank you for being my righteousness. In the name, thank you that all my guilt have been cleared. I go free forever. forever. I want you to start declaring peace to your life. Peace. Aggressive peace. Double peace. Peace with prosperity. Peace, peace. Amande. Peace, peace. Peace, peace. Peace, peace. Peace, peace. Peace. Are declaring you are the righteousness of God, and listen if you are sick in your body, you are declaring, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Then you command that sickness away from you. If you have trouble with masturbation, pornography, you are declaring you are the righteousness of God, you are declaring your freedom because in it is the power of God. You see, anything that is not working for you, declare God's righteousness and declare by revelation. Lift up your voice and declare in the name of Jesus. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. 
Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastoti podcast. Simply search for Pastoti on any podcast app, plug in, and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.